Hello, everybody. Just a very quick one about Instagram. If you're on it, Meta, the parent company, is reducing the number of political posts visible to users on their feed. This is a real thing, not a hoax. So go to your Instagram profile, tap the three horizontal lines in the top right corner to open the settings tab, scroll down to what you see, click on content preferences, open political content, and turn on don't limit political content. That's an option. Otherwise, you won't see almost anything we post because we are deemed political. Please do that now or you won't even see the posts about our shows, our fun things. So if you want to see Guilty Feminist content and know when we're coming to a place near you, releasing a new podcast, do it now. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. <clears throat> You're going to send a text first or something? No, no, no. I, I, keep, I keep... Your friends. You never believe what I'm doing now. I'm a feminist, but last night I did the Amnesty International show, uh, Secret Policeman's podcast, and the Guilty Feminist curated it and put it on, and I had a dream the night before that the audience would be full of men with their arms crossed, complaining that I'd ruined their childhood by making Victoria Woods, Barry and Frieda a lesbian anthem which we totally did. And changing Monty Python's four Yorkshiremen to the four Yorkshire women. I'm delighted to say it was a triumph. Yeah. Ashling was one of the four Yorkshire women. That there I was. Yeah. And uh, instead of living in holing ground, she lived in the gender pay gap. <laughs> it's coming out, it's going to be a podcast, so you'll be able to listen to it. I am a feminist, but one of my favourite things to do, and like, this is adorable, I absolutely love doing this, is I love to go out with men just before they're ready to get into a relationship. (laughs) 
That's my friend Jess who knows it's true. Do you feel you warm them up for somebody else? Oh, I've done such great work for other women. That's how much of a feminist I am. Yeah. Can I also just say, I will be talking like this for the whole show. And so to anyone listening or watching with a giant boner, you're welcome. Uh, but yes, I, uh, my voice is slightly Tom, sexy. can you edit that in? Will Ashley have to say that again? It's fine, thank you. I'm a feminist, but when I'm having a super insecure day, I can't decide whether I want to be a super petite woman or a really well-built man. I am a feminist, but as a 21-year-old woman, I refuse to acknowledge the fact that I'm 34 in public. You can sell 26 in Hollywood, and that's all you need oh, to do. James, thanks. I had a friend once say, how old do you think I can get away with being, like, because she was going to Hollywood, and I said, oh, I mean, she was 38, so I said, 32. And she went, 24? So I just said 32, what am I going to do now? And I just had to go, oh yeah, also 24. <laughs> Brilliant conversations that I have with actors. Do you know um, Gabby Logan, who's a wonderful sports TV presenter? You probably do from TV. Um, she came to my birthday party this year and she handed over a card. And she's like, oh my God, like you just you look great. You, know, you really look great. I was like, thanks, Gabs. Yeah, thanks. And she's like, honestly, I, I would never know you're 40. And I was like... <laughs> Gabby, it's, it's, not, it's, not, it's not my 40th birthday. She, Give me back the card. Give me back the card. <laughs> I need it. I still have it now. You're bringing it. Yeah. Great woman. Less women in sport, I say. That's what I say. I'm a feminist, but if I had a chance to body swap with Emmeline Pankhurst on the day certain women got the vote in the UK, or John Hamm's new girlfriend on the night they got together... <laughs> I'd say deeds, not words. <laughs> I am a feminist, but while I actually expect women to like me, when a man does, I get that same feeling akin to when you clean your ear with a cotton bud. Where you're like, oh yeah, no, that, that feels really good. That, that feels good, but I have to be careful because I could hurt myself here. I'm a feminist, but yesterday uh, I got given a tank top in the wings by Feminist Fringe. And the, my first response in the wings was, this is lovely, but I'm not showing my arms at the moment. And somebody was here yesterday, came back today, and left me a note saying, Deborah, we know you're a feminist who appreciates a sleeve. So here you go. Thanks for your support, Selena. And this is from uh, Refugee. Hearing from Referee Ouija later as our character of the week. And the definition here, a person who upon arrival in Glasgow is embraced by the people of the city, a person considered to be a local. See also Glaswegian. See also Glaswegian. Isn't that lovely? Gorgeous. Uh, gorgeous. Nine from a Is this clock obscuring my face, sir? Slightly. 
Okay, I'll just... Well, look like you're sad about that for a second, would you? <laughs> yeah, I, I, could you want me to move it more over? So it totally, totally obscures my face. Like yeah, exactly. Stuff, yeah. Mm, it's like you're in a podcast. You're very prominent there, sir. You're very prominent. I admire the way that a white man will sit right in the centre of the front row. Because I feel if I were a woman in this many men, I'd probably sit like four rows back to the side. But I love it. I genuinely do admire the confidence. And he's making direct eye contact with me and everything. Did you know what you were coming to, though? Oh, you did? Are you a fan of the show? Oh, I love you. Oh. What's your name, sir? They get so many more brownie points for everything, don't they? Like, all of these women have come, and what am I saying to them? But he's a man, so I'm like, I'm one over. What's, what's your name, sir? Colin. Colin, from Edinburgh. Arbroath. Arbroath. I'll pretend to know where that is. Um, lovely. Close by? 70 miles away. 70 And you would walk 70 miles? <laughs> He would when walk, you walk up, he would walk oh, 500 drove. miles yeah. and he would walk 500 more. <laughs> this is The Guilty Feminist, the podcast in which we explore our noble goals as 21st century feminists and the hypocrisies and insecurities which undermine them. I'm Deborah Francis-White and with me is Ashling B and today we're talking about visibility. <laughs> so visibility, Ashling, visibility. Tell me more, tell me more. Like, does he have a car? <laughs> <laughs> um, well... Uh, so today's theme is visibility. We did mm-hmm. say that, didn't we? And I definitely I so. understand the concept very well and what we're going to be discussing because I've actually had to wear glasses for the last seven years. <laughs> so I get it, Deb, and I get why it's important to talk about in this because you probably covered a lot of stuff and then you run out. Um, <laughs> but visibility... When I was thinking about it, I thought about not just visibility, but the concept of invisibility. And there's nothing lovelier than having an invisible day for yourself. And that can come in any form, depending on what your life is like. But the idea of like staying in your house, getting rid of your kids, maybe putting them in a box. I don't know, I'm not a parent, I don't know what you do. Um, But when you're on your own in the house, either you live on your own or you have a partner who's gone away, there's nothing better than an invisible day. I often think it's lovely that the ugliest you can be sometimes is en route to getting pretty. You know, when you do your processes, like an invisible day where you walk around with your brow off, dragging your tits along the gravel, <laughs> and you put on your creams, and there's a cream for your elbow and a thing, and a spot here, which is a different type of spot to the one up on your nose, and there's something else, and there's, you put on your creams, you put something on in the background, like the Real Housewives of New York City. So much drama! Um, and you don't want to be judged for what you're watching and you don't want to be judged for what you look like and you don't want to be seen and you're invisible and you eat your food and I often think that I would rather have like a photo released to the press of my vagina than one of me eating alone (laughs) I don't need a fork just that invisible feeling is so gorgeous to have one of those days. I think it's very important for us all to have those days. And why that invisibility is so lovely is because you choose it. But the worst type of invisibility is the one that you don't choose and you wish wasn't there. There's this, these four questions that Maya Angelou posits. And in a society or in a relationship or in a friendship, she thinks that they are four questions that if you don't get a yes to or worse a no, 
that it can make you feel so invisible and being invisible and wanting to be seen and having a sense of belonging it's one of those things you can't ask for because once you ask for it it undermines the whole point of asking to be seen it's like you can't go am i cool because to ask am i cool or what am i like when i floss it's it's not gonna be a yes to a if you're listening at home i did floss it's a new dance trend for the children all the feminists are doing it now i did it brilliantly and ashling said so close so close um, brilliantly But that's the thing about wanting to be seen and the four questions that you look for an answer for, even in your relationship or in society is, one, do you see me? And you know in a relationship where someone's on their phone like, oh yeah, whatever it is, and and we can all be guilty of this. And the second question is, do you care that I'm here? And uh, they say a lot of like mental health problems that are added to homeless people is the idea eventually you think, am I invisible? That you're walked past so many times that you're like, am I even here? Can you see me? The third question is, am I enough for you? Or do you need me to be better in some way? We all know what that's like when we're in a relationship and we're like, I don't think I'm your gal. I think you need something more and it's making me feel awful in some way. And similarly in society, I'm like, oh, I don't think you want me to be here. And the fourth one is, and this might sound a bit cutesy, but it's, can I tell that I'm special to you by the way you look at me? And that might sound a bit like, am I special? Am I a princess? Tell me I'm a princess, tell me I'm a princess. It might sound like that. But when you look at someone and did you care that you're there, there's nothing worse, and this happens a lot in our industry, which is the looking over the shoulder going, oh my God, hi, hi, how long are you in Edinburgh for? For the podcast listeners, I'm doing a very good mime of looking over someone's shoulder. Um, But you know in this, and you're like, oh, I'm not special to you that I'm not here. And I find those four questions are so lovely in a sense, because especially our most important one is with our parents or our family. I um, remember doing a panel show once and I had a couple of friends on it and the best feeling in the world is when you're on a panel show and you're the same as everyone else and you know you can be seen and you're also, you're allowed to be a dickhead just like any of the other dickheads and that's a really important thing to feel like you're just the same and you can get the piss ripped out of you and I remember I was on this show and say the host was in the middle and I had a friend beside me, he's an amazing comedian but there was a point where he started to lean into my space so much that he was touching off me because he was looking towards the host. And I realized that like he'd kind of forgotten I was there, that like he was so involved in what the host was saying that he was leaning right into me. And I was like, I don't think he can see me anymore. Like I'm here and I'm also one of the fellow people on the show. And I made a joke about it because I kissed the back of his neck and I was like, you're close enough to kiss. And he woke up and was like, oh, sorry. But for like five minutes, he hadn't realized that he'd been leaning really close into me. I remember I was doing the first record of Taskmaster and it'd been a long year of kind of lots of different panel shows and ups and downs. And I went to say something and Mark Watson was, there was Bob Mortimer beside me and Mark Watson was there. And I went to say something, and Mark Watson looked straight at me and smiled as I was speaking. And I was like, oh, shit, Mark can see me. I'm not a ghost. And when I read those questions, it's like someone can look at you politely on a show because you know how to make an edit. But when someone can see you and see in their eyes, and I could see Mark had a look on his face of like, can't wait to hear what she's going to say. Turned out to be shite and they had to edit it out. 
was that the point? Uh, he never looked at me again? No, but I was really, and I, I suppose from my own, because the other, after invisibility, comes a sort of a slightly worse one, which I personally sometimes get, but I'm assuming a lot of people of colour and uh, people from diverse backgrounds get, which is half visibility, where you're there in a sort of token sense in some way, and you're seen, but you're not seen on the same level as everyone else. So a personal example of that for me was I was doing another bloody panel show, and um, the host introduced everyone, and I was the only gal on the show, which is fine. And again, a lot of my friends are on the show, but everyone gets a joke that's quite a sneering joke, which is great, very funny. That's the host kind of job. But when it came to me, it was kind of like, Ashing is this and this, unlike Joe, who's shit. And so the joke went back to Joe, and I think it's because there was a little bit of a fear of hurting a girl's feelings, which you can sort of understand, comes out of a nice place. But I wasn't, it's like I'd been put in a dress instead of shorts with the rest of the people to play football, and I wasn't allowed to get it dirty. And I was like, oh no, now I feel like a little bit of a half-visible thing because I'm not included. I wanted to have the shit ripped out of me so I could use my skill and my job to banter back. But instead, it went back there, and I was like, oh, now, from a starting position from the audience, I'm in this sort of like little slightly protected thing and that half visibility I suppose is something that might not change in my generation. We were doing the Amnesty International Secret Policeman's Ball last night and it was a really special moment when they were doing a sketch from the 90s, the Goodness Gracious Me sketch, which is going for an English and it's a brilliant sketch and I hadn't been at a gig where that many Asian stand-ups and comedians were all on stage at the same time ever and it was really special to watch because everyone got to be you know Nish was an idiot big shout out to Nish Kumar um, but like everyone got to be their whole selves from what they were as kids not just having to represent one thing you got to be your silly self and your stupid self and your idiot self without the sort of guise of your color or your gender your ability and I suppose that's what visibility will hopefully bring the more of us you're there that you don't have to represent it anymore. You can just, again, be a dickhead on your own terms. Bisha Kayali was in the sketch as well. She said she and Nish were hugging backstage going, we can't believe we're in this sketch with Kilvinda, who was one of the original guys, who's absolutely amazing. And they were like hugging. Cindy V was in it as well. And saying, oh my God, we're here with sort of 3D in this sketch. Mm. And I actually read in for Sindhu in the rehearsal because she was at her show. And it was amazing, because it was like 3D being in this incredibly famous, brilliant comedy sketch. Although I was so scared I was going to accidentally do an Indian accent. <laughs> Very <laughs> but this, is, this is why visibility is important. This is it is, but also, in terms of seeing people, we can all do it in our own way, in a relationship. Like, we've all been guilty of going, yeah, did you? Oh, my God, with our phones. And I was even thinking about it, even my mother that we can often turn people into cartoons and not see them. Like, we're all like, oh, shut up, mommy! Like, and you, you tur I've turned my mother into a kind of cartoon character rather than seeing her as a woman, as, a, uh, as an, all the different things she's been. You kind of can turn the people in your life into sort of cartoon characters of who they are rather than actually seeing them for a second and going, God, do you care that I'm here? No, mommy, I don't, I go away. <laughs> we should have gone to Spain for Christmas. Um, <laughs> And so they're just, I just love, I love those questions and how we can apply them in so many ways. And so there are my thoughts on visibility. Yay!
Hello, Guilty Feminist. It's Deborah Francis-White. I just wanted to let you know there is a show in London and some of our listeners complain they can't get tickets, that they're not available. So get in now if you would like to come to the Coliseum, the home of the English National Opera, on the 27th of November. Rachel Paris and I are doing a show about music. It's going to be a riot of a night. You've not experienced The Guilty Feminist until you've sung I Will Survive at the home of the English National Opera. It will be 10.30pm, but it's only a one-episode show, so don't worry, it won't go on forever and the tubes run late. Please book now at londoncoliseum.org. That's London, C-O-L-I-S-E-U-M dot org. It's going to be a wonderful night. Also, we are coming around the whole of the UK to do a really big tour. This is going to be an all-singing, all-dancing really fabulous feel-good evening of, let's be clear, feminist cabaret, feminist vaudeville. Uh, This show will not be podcast. You've got to come out for it. And if you go to guiltyfeminist.com, you can see that we should be coming to a town or a city near you. Look for the closest one. Tickets are going fast, I warn you. So get tickets now for next year or they're going to all be gone. They really are going fast. They also make great Christmas presents. Cardiff, I'm going to come to you this Saturday, the 17th of November. My film, Say My Name, which is a comedy with a very strong female lead, will be at the Cardiff City Centre Cine World as part of the Wales International Film Festival. It's on at 5.50pm. I'm going to introduce it along with the director and also we're going to have a Q&A at the end. And please come up and feel free to say hi afterwards. I will be signing books. I'll be taking selfies. It's going to be a brilliant time. And if you did see it last time I was in Cardiff, then tell a friend, bring a friend. You can get tickets now at cineworld.co.uk and tickets are £4.70 or £3.60 for students. And that's at 5.50pm this Saturday, the 17th of November. Could you do me a favour? We really want to keep this podcast running every single Monday, including Christmas, throughout the whole year. And what that means is we need a little bit of help from you. Here's something you could do. On your phone, go to Apple Podcasts, or on your laptop, go to iTunes. Find The Guilty Feminist and rate and review a recent episode or just some recent episodes, how you're feeling about the podcast this year. You've probably reviewed it in the past, but if you could put another review for you know something recent, that would be awesome. And obviously, give it five stars, gang. If you have already read my book, could you go to amazon.co.uk and review it there? And Goodreads and review it there. This really, really helps. And I really, really appreciate you doing it. Also, buying the book really helps. If you're looking for Christmas presents this year, go and grab the book from Waterstones or another bookshop or Amazon. And finally, if you haven't yet heard the Amnesty International Guilty Feminist Secret Policeman's podcast, it is absolutely a winner. You will hear a lot of messages about human rights that are really important and actions that you can take, but also some of the most extraordinary comedy that you will hear. We have some really, really big names, some of whom you know and love from The Guilty Feminist doing new material. Some of them you won't know or you won't have heard before. And we've revived some classic sketches with some feminist spins. So please, please, please go to our feed and listen to the Secret Policeman's podcast from Amnesty and The Guilty Feminist. And now back to the show. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. 
we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Please welcome our wonderful guests for today, Jessica Foster Q, Brona C. Titley, and Kima Bob. I'm Kima Bob, and I am a bit hungover. <laughs> if you're listening at home, we're at the Edinburgh Fringe. So that is the normal base place people are from. She's not turned up to work hungover. Final weekend, baby! It's, it's, a, it's a permanent state of the fringe. She's been here for a month. It just accrues. I'm Jessica Foster Q. I have the voice all the time that Ashling only has today. And I'm 11 years older than Kima Bob, and she has never met a hangover. <laughs> I'm trying to learn. Yeah, keep trying, actually. Good trying. Hi, uh, I'm Brona C. Titley. I am a TV comedy writer and an actor. And I am relevant to the panel today because I am a dirty bisexual. Uh, I'm, actually, I'm actually quite clean and pure and chaste. But uh, for some reason, saying dirty before bisexual makes it sound so much more fun. Um, like nasty women. That's right, babe. And I am not hungover, guys, because A, I'm a professional. <laughs> and B, no alcohol passed my lips last night, but I do sound also husky because we had a bit of a sing-song at the bar last night after the Secret Policeman's Ball, and while other people sang, I shout-screamed, um, which is the only way that I can sing. Uh, I will survive at 3am, uh, so, yeah, I'm just as sexy as Ashling B. And I, I know what you're thinking, oh, another Irish voice on the panel, oh, but they know each other. Jedward. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, as it happens, we're best friends, so your racism was right this time. We do know each other. She's my soulmate for 15 years. Oh, my God. I'm John, and she's Edward. <laughs> there Together were so John many songs. There's so many songs being sung last night. And, um, so fun. So, also, so many white women. 
Um, and so I knew like two out of ten songs. I was like, yes, the killer is relevant to me, perhaps. Like, I was like, what's happening? It, I don't think those songs were white so much as British. It was so much going on. <laughs> I was very confused. I was just like, I'm going to sip my wine over here. <laughs> Kima, you are always visible just by your... Yeah. I said to Kima at a recent show, because I thought this was a bit that she did, I was dancing with her at a party, and I just went, Kima, why are you so cool? She went, the two M's, melanin and marijuana. <laughs> and she didn't even remember saying it. That's how cool she is. You gotta drop those gems, baby. Yeah. Right, so my contribution today to visibility uh, is something that I saw at the fringe. I was like, I need you here for the visibility show. Please welcome to the stage the wonderful Power Play. So, Emma and Sophie. Hello, I'm Sophie. And I'm Emma. Now, Emma and Sophie, can you briefly give us the elevator pitch for what Power Play is? And then, Emma and Sophie are going to be our game show hosts. That's oh, yeah. That's what's exciting. Ooh. Okay, so, Power Play, we're an activist theatre company, started this year, and we are doing two things. Immersive theatre, which is all female-led, and we've taken over a flat and commissioned four pieces of new writing written by women, including Emma. Woo. Um, Fringe first and another award-winning, Philippa Braganza award-winning. Thank yes, you. Yes, we win awards. Women win awards. Yes, they do. <laughs> and also, we are here collecting data on the gender breakdown of the Fringe. And this is, we think, the first time that anyone ever, well, globally has actually investigated gender at this level. So we know that there are massive gender inequalities in theatre and that they get worse the higher up the kind of like theatre tree you get. But we do not know when and where this kind of female drop-off rate happens. So we are doing an academic study into gender at the fringe. So, power play. They're pretty impressive young women. And today, we're the quizzies. This yeah. is this sort of feel like we're on the chase. <laughs> exactly yeah. like that. If we get all the questions right, do we get to win, like, a very visible woman? <laughs> <laughs> Last time we had tonics tea cakes, but... Maybe oh, that's much so better. Yeah. Is that right? Yeah. Basically okay. the same. Such a great <laughs> Okay, so the first question is, 65% of audiences are women. Woohoo! In Woo! Yeah, brilliant. Now, what I want to know is whose stories are they seeing? So the question is, what percent of playwrights are female? Is this where? In the fringe or in the world? In the UK. UK. Okay, so 65% of theatre audiences are female? Yeah. Mm -hmm. But what percentage of playwrights of those plays? Okay, I'm going to buzz for this one, uh, because I know the answer based on what I saw, and the answer is 100%. (laughs) So 100% of plays in the UK that yeah. make it to the stage are by women. It's my answer and I'm sticking to it. I love you because okay. you're a dreamer. The one's worth seeing. Okay, Ashling. Um, I have to agree with everything Brona says. Okay. My best Jess. Uh, um, I'm saying 52% because Brexit. Kiva. <laughs> <laughs> boop, boop. Um, that's my one. Um... I feel like I'm not going to go very optimistic here. I'm going to go for a 34%. Okay, I, this dude's actually trying to win. I think it's going to be lower. 
This is my guess. It's going to be about 25% of plays that make it to the stage are written by a woman. Audience, do you want to shout out? Yeah, what do you think? How? Oh, Jesus. 15. I've got 38 down there. What you... Okay, so what's the answer? What's the answer? 30. 30%. It's a third, baby. So Keemah's in the lead. 70% off. But yeah. I won yeah. something so sad. Yeah, yeah. Keemah's in the lead, but she's winning a sad race. Okay, all right. Is the actual prize for this quiz just depression? Yeah, yeah. But, but the question is, how bad? How They're bad? all depressing, but how depressing? We started off on a positive one. That's probably like the... Oh, God. Yeah. I know. Okay. Okay. All right, so the next one is... What percentage of the theatre box office for new writing goes to women? I'm going to give a real answer this time because nobody liked my utopia answer the last time. Eight uh, percent. Bloop bloop. Twenty-eight percent. What do you want to? Sorry, oh, that was your professor. Sorry, yeah. sorry. I feel like we should have discussed the admin of the quiz before sorry. we did it. Just saying. Women can't afford buzzers. No. <laughs> no, we actually needed like real buzzers. What, what do you reckon? Bloop bloop. Yeah, sorry, sorry. Um, I'm going to go for 30% again. I feel something happening there. Oh, I'm so sorry. It's so much lower than 30%. Oh, Jesus. It's 13%. What? Okay. And if you want to find out more about that statistic, it's called British Theatre Repertoire. That's the study. Okay, so... 13%. So, 35% of the writers are female, but they're only getting 13% of the box office, and that means the more expensive plays are all male. Yes. Yes. So, the the stage time we get is actually in theatres above sweet shops. Now this is like countdown with a mass. Actually, I've got another question that directly relates to that. So, how much more would you pay to see a play written by a man? By that, I obviously mean how much more, statistically speaking, do men get? (laughs) Okay, any guesses? They're just better, though. (laughs) (laughs) Percentage more on the ticket, would you pay? You're going to see a play in the West End? Uh, Nine. Nine percent? Nine percent. 23% more. Fuck off! 23% more. 23% better. Sorry, don't you fuck off. No, <laughs> see you later. What a fuck way to on. ask our guests fuck to on. leave, Dave. Yes. Sorry, I mean, time's up. No, uh, no sorry, go on, go on. So, um, this, is, this question's in two parts. So, a new play written by a woman will be put on on a theatre that is what percent smaller and will have what percent fewer performances? Oh. Boop, boop. 40, 20. 40 and 20? <laughs> Okay. Actually, they'll be put on a theatre that is 24% smaller and will have 69% fewer performances. At least that's a sexy percentage. That is another way of saying 40, 20. Yeah. So you can put on your plays, bitches, but not for long. (laughs) Four nights. Well, Amelia at the Globe is the most extraordinary feminist polemic that I've ever seen. It's hilarious. It's moving. It was like going to feminist church. It's lucky that the Globe doesn't have a roof because it would have come off at the curtain call. (laughs) And it's got something like ten performances. And we are three women of colour in the lead and a female playwright. Whole cast is female, director's female. Mm And it's getting like, you know... Two weeks or something. An incredible production. So we have to, you must lobby the Globe. Get on Twitter because, of course, they'll put it on more. Of course, it'll transfer to the West End if we demand it. Have you got a final question? The final question. 
And this one is, what percentage of the Olivia Award for best new play has gone to a woman? I'm going to go back to my old friend, 8%. Okay. Oh. Agreed. Blue I hope it's, agreed. it's not no percent, is it? I don't tell me it's no percent. It's actually 2%. Oh. 98% of the Olivier's for best play have been awarded to a man. And actually, last year in 2017, no female writers were nominated. How many have there even been? Like 50? I think 80? Mm. The part so, of your research I'll be really interested to see is when you were talking about the drop-off point. Because yeah. it's always like we all start off as kids not knowing we're women or men or whatever we decide we end up being. Decide but also, at but school, who's more into drama? Sorry. But, yeah. But exactly. I, I find I like, that, that what are the things that start... Exactly. Like, what are the things in your life that start kicking you down that you don't yeah. get to be the version of yourself you'd like to be? Or what are the things that make it extra hard? Um, <laughs> I have good news for us. There are seven women on stage right now. <laughs> Given 65% of audiences for yeah. theatre are female, mm -hmm. we can change this. Yes. Because we can demand better, we can demand more, we can demand female stories, and we can demand diverse female stories yeah. as well. Different gender expressions, different races, different yeah. disabilities. We can demand it, and we must. And Definitely. Power Play, you were doing such a wonderful thing. Can I just say for visibility, what are your full names? Emma Dennis Edwards. And? Sophie Compton. You were on Facebook. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and what's the website so we can find PowerPlay? So, powerplaytheatre.com and on social media, we're at pplaytheatre. Wonderful. Oh, pplay? Pplay. Some pplay. I've been to that website. Big round of applause for PowerPlay! Thank you so much. Hey, Guilty Feminists, if you are in London, we are recording our new series of Global Pillage. And I have to tell you, we've already recorded four episodes and it's the best season yet. Come along 4pm on the 8th of December, where we'll be recording two episodes back to back with an interval, or December 15th, where we are recording one big end of term Christmas episode feel free to come up and say hi afterwards. I'll be in the bar, grab a selfie, I'll sign your book. It is a brilliant diversity-based panel show with two teams of comedians versus you, the hive mind of the audience. See you there. Would you like to hear some stand-up comedy? Yeah! Then please welcome to the stage the wonderful Jessica Foster Q. Hey. Hello. This is nice. I mean, lots of things uh, can make us invisible. Our colour, gender, age, and of course, cloak. <laughs> um, <laughs> get in. Thought that in the shower. Um, <laughs> I think it's complicated, isn't it? Ashley touched on this. We're in this funny situation where invisibility can be a gorgeous thing if you've chosen it. But also, I feel like there's perhaps a bit of a dichotomy. We're, for our own safety, kind of innately drawn towards trying to blend in a lot of the time, I think. We just want to be like other people, don't we? And I know that that's quite an innate thing, because I'm watching my two-year-old do it at the moment. He's nearly three. He's another white man. Sorry. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm 
just do better. Um, <laughs> but what's amazing is watching, now that he can speak, watching how differently he does it depending on who he's with, right? So I'm unabashedly posh. I'm on a spectrum of poshness. I'm quite far up the posh end of the spectrum of poshness. But he... <laughs> so of a morning the other day, uh, so my partner and I take turns getting up with him first thing and having our day ruined. Um, <laughs> just because of the hour, I mean. <laughs> I don't hate my life. Um, I... <laughs> um, and it was my turn to get up, and he'd come in, it was about six in the morning, and he'd come in, and he woke me up, and I was like, yeah, all right, I'll get up like that. And then he said to my partner, you stay there, sleep if you want. Mummy and I are getting up. <laughs> Two years old, mummy and I. <laughs> what have I created? <laughs> but I know it's okay, because he goes to a nursery in South East London where we live in Lewisham, and he goes to the cheapest, most flexible to my working out as nursery. Um, but it's a not got a very good offset. Uh, give a shit, give a shit, they're kind. Um, and all the women that work in there are from Kent, and they've all worked in there for a very long time. It's one of the best places I've ever been in the universe. During the World Cup, I dropped him off, and Iris, who runs the nursery, said, all right, off you go, have a nice day. Oh, before you go, Mum. And I said, yeah, what's that? And she went, it's coming home, it's coming home. I was like, oh, I love it, I love them. Uh, they are awesome. I call these toddlers leaving, it's coming home. It's the most, it is the most, and also it's the most diverse nursery I've ever seen. I'm from Dorset, there was no such thing. It's, it's an awesome nursery. But what's most brilliant about it is that even though there's this two-year-old in my world that says, mummy and I, when he comes home from nursery for an hour and a half, he talks like Danny Dyer. <laughs> it is amazing. We got home that same evening and sat down to watch, I think it was England, Columbia, and as soon as the telly went on, he went, I've seen this one last night. <laughs> I've already watched this one, mummy. We watched this last night when we was in Dawes. <laughs> what did you do at nursery today, Rudy? I've been playing the piano. Hero. So I think from all that, like, it's just this glaring kind of example of how we're just drawn towards wanting to blend in. And I think more and more than if you do make an effort to try and be visible, especially when you're up against it in some sense, it takes a bit of bravery to do that, I think, a lot of the time. It takes some ovaries. So <laughs> hats off to those who are trying. And you won't ever meet anyone who is more desperate to be visible than a comedian. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, you know that naked woman in the house over the road that never shuts her curtains? <laughs> Not a euphemism. Um, that's us, that's comedians, but with our emotions. Thank you. Jessica Foster, you, everybody! you referenced before being uh, for bi-visibility. Now, that's something I've heard a lot about because I do a podcast like this. And sometimes bisexual people say they're invisible and they say heterosexuals are visible, gay people are visible, although there's obviously been a lot of marginalisation. Bi-visibility is a big thing. Can you explain what it is? Yeah, um, just, you know, for the sake of visibility, if you could please use my preferred term, dirty bisexual. 
I will not uh, be doing that. <laughs> Filthy bisexual uh, often works. Um, yeah, I mean, I suppose it's just a question of feeling like there is some representation that you come from a community that exists, that we can see stories, that we meet people who are bisexual who talk about it. We see authentic stories written or performed by people who are bisexual or pansexual, which is essentially for me the same thing, but just um, hey, hey, hey. just uh, yeah, name thing. You, Color to the pansexual, pansexual at the end of the table. Yeah, baby, identity. Mm, get into it. Um, can you tell me what? Can you tell me what? I have been doing that since I realised I was bisexual. Um, <laughs> Jess has got a question. Please, may I have a definition of pansexual? Yes. Boop boop. Um, <laughs> for most people, it means that they date uh, everyone, uh, regardless of their gender and um, orientation and presentation and other Asians. Um, and for me, it means that I date everyone but cis straight white men because I believe oppression builds character. <laughs> and essentially, just a lot, of, a lot of bisexuals would believe they're the same thing. It's just that it's a slightly older word. So, and you kind of right. tend to cling to the word that best described you when you were acknowledging or coming to terms with your own sexuality. I like the idea of saying I'm pansexual because I would consider myself as someone who could be attracted to anyone on the gender spectrum, but I also just don't love the fact that it makes me sound like, you know, I have sexy time with frying pans. <laughs> Because I only sleep with saucepans. <laughs> but just and in boys who never grow up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's Ooh. a beautiful word, pansexual. There's a great joke that's, now. Yeah, Peter Pansexual. I think we did it. We have no, all no, dated I mean, Peter Pansexual. He only has one towel. <laughs> <laughs> But just in terms of, you know, the actual uh, bi-visibility, it is something, like, I, I do find that people sort of say to me on almost a weekly basis, now I'm actually married and I'm married to a woman, so people think I've me, unfortunately, should have been, but wasn't. Yeah, felt like Ashley, a I've told you felt before, like I have always man. found you extremely hideous. <laughs> we could fix that. We could fix it. So I'm married to a woman now, which makes people think that I've picked a team and therefore stopped being bisexual. But like, when you get married, you pick a person. You're not like, oh, I'm on the Fanny Express now for a lot. Um, but I do kind of, like, people do say to me on a weekly basis, so you as a lesbian or you as a gay woman, and I have that moment where it's like, my level of arsage of correcting you because you're sort of like, do I want to be the person that's like, oh, just for the interest of accuracy, hashtag bi-visibility, I'm bisexual. Or do you just let it slide, at which point it's just not technically true and also slightly disrespectful to all the penises I've seen. Um, <laughs> and I have seen six people. I have seen four. <laughs> um, so I think it is a community that could use more visibility, and I think the best way to do that is, you know, stories. And we're starting to see more bisexual characters on television now, and good ones as well, not just, like, American TV dramas where they're like, oh, we've run out of storylines for this woman, so... Uh, <laughs> She's going to kiss a lady. She's going to kiss a lady. And we're not going to show any of the intricacies of the relationship. Just some sex scenes, um, which I am not complaining about. (laughs) (laughs) What would you like to see more of in terms of, I mean, obviously you've been my soulmate and my best friend for a very long time. I'm married. Um, I know, but I just feel like there's no, I'm never going to stop trying. Sue, her wife is here somewhere. Sorry, Sue. Um, I actually heckled Brona's wedding speech going, you shouldn't have met me. And I don't regret it. No. Um, (laughs) 
Uh, it was sad that we kicked you out of the vows. I stayed at the window watching in. Um, yeah, I think it's just a question of if you somebody seem is very straight, Brona. If you wouldn't have well, said anything. I feel like I've been here being visible as a bisexual since the start of this podcast. I did walk into the dressing room earlier and go, "Oh, can you see my face there? That is by visibility." No, I think it's just a question of maybe just not assuming. Like if somebody is dating someone at that point in time, you don't necessarily put them in the. Uh, straight box if they're dating same sex uh, person you don't put them in the gay box and you just have a slight more openness to the fact that there is other bits on the spectrum like it does seem hard for like humans to grasp but, like we split the atom and we've invented incredible things like dresses with pockets and we still can't like wrap our head around the fact that there might be people who are attracted to more than one gender so just a little bit of openness the crazy thing is most of the LGBT community is by or pan. Yeah. Like right. I don't know the exact figure, but it starts with a seven. It's like seventy something. So Power like, play? Do you know? <laughs> Where are my LGBTQ plus stats? <laughs> Come prepared, ladies. But like yeah, most of the community is bi or something. And it's yeah. like I feel like bi people aren't always respected and like I feel like sometimes in the LGBTQ community, people will look down on you while you're going down on them. <laughs> it's like, how is this not gay enough? <laughs> okay. Kima Bob, have you got anything to plug? Oh, heck yeah. I'm on the internet at Kima's Voice on Twitter and Instagram. And I host the Fuck It Up Comedy Club, FOC, I didn't swear, uh, which is a Fems of Color comedy club. And we live in London and follow us on Facebook. Great. Jess Foster anything to plug? Yes, I'm on the socials at Jessica Foster Q. And also, I've got a podcast of my own that's all about eating called Hoovering. Please, it's very smart. Very good. Um, Ashling B. Oh, you can find me on Twitter or Instagram at We Miss B. And I would like to also recommend the Hoovering podcast. Very fun and yummy. And Jess makes you food when you do it. Brona? Uh, please follow me on Twitter at Brona C. Titley so we can take this flirtation further. Um, and also, please, on August 31st, log on to Netflix and watch the stand up special of the world's funniest Ashling B. Yay! And if you could check out my other podcast, Global Pillage, at globalpillage.net and Grown Up Land at Radio 4. And now we have Charity of the Week! Hello! Uh, and Lisa, I'm here from Refugee, which you heard about earlier. So, uh, for people internationally, a Ouija is a Glaswegian, and a Refugee is somebody who is made to feel welcome when they arrive in Glasgow after being forced to flee their home. Refugee gives welcome packs with things that people need, things that people might want, and welcome letters handwritten by people in Scotland to say, we're glad you're here. Uh, we also organise events and activities to connect old Scots and new Scots, which is the phrase we like to use. Aww. We're going to be rattling buckets if you can donate on the way out. We've got some wristbands to give out, so if you donate fast, you might get a free wristband. And for people at home, refugee.co.uk, you can donate money online on the website, and you can also send donations of gifts to go on the welcome pack, and we're always looking for more lovely handwritten welcome letters. That's our show. Thank you very much to everyone here at the Pure Hall and the You 
have been listening to The Guilty Feminist with me, Deborah Francis-White, guest co-host Ashling B, and our very special guests, Jessica Foster-Q, Brona C. Titley and Kima Bob. And from Powerplay, Emma Dennis-Edwards and Sophia Compton. The recording engineer was Gary Boyle. Music was by Mark Hodge. The producer was Tom Selinski for The Spontaneity Shop. Thanks to Tony and Hannah at PBJ Live and everyone at The Underbelly, as well as all of you for listening. For more information about this and other episodes, visit guiltyfeminist.com. You just taught me flossing, so I'm going to give it a go. <laughs> Because this literally, Debs, is going to take like 20 years off us. So you go like, and it just doesn't make any sense. That's the whole thing. And then you just, then you get like, oh, you're so close to it. Yeah, that's, that's really, you look like a 14-year-old Deborah. Um, yeah, it's great. It's great. Yeah, yeah, it is. I worry about your marriage. Um, by the way. Um, How close am I to flossing? Just be honest. No, okay. no need for such honesty. I, when I say just be honest, I mean just lie to me and make me feel good. I'm not a dentist, but that wasn't flossing. Um. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com